The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag, Pride of Detroit uh, podcast feed, we'll say. Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the <laughs> producer. We're already off the rails here. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. It is week 11. Lions are coming off a two-game winning streak, and with me to chat about it and answer all of your questions is the managing editor of Pride of Detroit at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. It's Eric Schlitt. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Good. And I actually I actually want to start. I didn't tell you this. I want to start the podcast this week with a bit of a confession um, oh. that I was I was too cowardly to say during during the main podcast. Um, <laughs> as you know, Eric, it is my job to write the game recaps at Pride of Detroit. And mm-hmm. it can be a little difficult getting those out quickly during close games. Certainly. So a strategy that I use and often a lot of other writers will use is to pre-write. Mm-hmm. And my confession is my, my confession <laughs> is, and this won't surprise you at all. As soon as the Lions scored that touchdown with two and change left, mm-hmm. I was right. I was, I was, I was finishing my article. I was ready to, to, mm-hmm. to, to finish it. And you know what the headline was? Bears went on last second field goal. Essentially, it was Justin Fields <laughs> spoils Lions comeback. <laughs> and I had written a whole couple opening paragraphs and I was ready to go. And I'm just like, listen, it's going to happen. Like the, they 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 score too early. So my my initial question to you is, what is your first reaction when the Lions score with with two plus left? Are you in the same boat as I was? Yeah, I was like, geez, they only need to get to the 30, you know, so they got to move the ball 50 yards. And if they. uh you know, run an RPO, they, they, you know, keep Justin on the boot, then, you know, they got a good chance at it. And it's actually, it's strange. The last two series, so that series and then the series prior, uh, they didn't even try and run them really. Right. Like they yeah. basically like, uh, they basically just, um, they had the long run, handed the like, ball okay. off and we're trying to throw it. And I'm like, my goodness, if he's your offense and his legs are the priority, why are you backing away from that? But that that's standard NFL, right? Yeah. Teams play scared. They go back to their their basics. They stop doing what's working for them, and they they think, okay, we got to move the ball, so let's put it in the air. And my goodness, those the last two series uh, cost them. Now the Lions, of course, you know they they capitalized and did what they needed to do. Something we've seen the last two weeks, but hadn't seen the past, what, two decades probably. So, um, 
yeah, it's, it was it was nice to uh, it was nice to see that. But I, I mean, I was with you when I looked at the clock. I'm like, they just got to get in field goal range, and yeah. there's no reason for them to not run the ball. And they tried not, they didn't, and nope. and Lions capitalized. <clears throat> Absolutely, but hey, like you said, give the Lions credit for making plays. They can Certainly. only they can only play against the plays that were called, and so um, really an outstanding defensive effort in the entire fourth quarter there outside of the one Justin mm-hmm. Fields uh, run. But let's yeah, let's 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 go to some questions here. And uh, again, I, another week of mostly positive questions so far, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> let's start with some injury talk. Um, Ashley David Soden on Twitter asks, not personally my opinion, but it'll be a good topic to discuss. Is it worth bringing Chark off IR when he seemingly hasn't managed to get on the same page with Goff or does he or what or does what he does off the field in terms of blocking being a decoy deep threat justify an activation? Yeah, I think the deep deep threat alone is is the justifiable move, right? Like right. he he had a lot of chemistry uh, in the preseason and and uh, in camp, and and he he wasn't part of the focus early, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were running the ball. But he is still a big catalyst in in creating lighter boxes, yeah. and people are going to pay attention to him. And and if you put him out here on the field, you're getting. CB one on him most likely. And that takes CB one off St. Brown. Right. And uh, that's exactly what you want. So yeah, I think Chark coming back would be a, a pretty big uh, opportunity to open the offense up. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, he is now eligible to come off at any time. Cause he's now missed yeah. four games. We're not entirely sure if he's ready to come off. Dan Campbell said he's, he's getting a little better. And I believe at one point in the middle of Chark's IR absence, he told Dave Burkett, that he expects to be back as soon as he's yeah. eligible to be back. But that was also a couple of weeks ago. So things can change. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. I mean, you look at just that bears game, they loaded the box. I think Jamal mm-hmm. Williams faced an eight man box 50% of the time, which was the third highest of the entire week. And they basically challenged Jared Goff to beat them. Mm-hmm. And, and this is why I gave him an a minus because Jared Goff beat them with Tom Kennedy with Khalif <laughs> Raymond with obviously Amon Ra having an 100 plus yard day, mm-hmm. but you're not going to face bad Bears defenses every week. You're going to face some teams that that'll load the box and they'll be able to cover even guys like mm-hmm. Amon Ra. So yeah, you need that deep threat. Obviously, Josh Reynolds helps too, but yeah. I, I'm and and listen, I I I just I think I'm with you. I, the the sample size for DJ Chark was just too small mm-hmm. in the first whatever four or five games that he played. If he if he had played an entire season. I have to imagine at some point him and Goff figure it out and, and get going. Didn't he get injured in week three? Right. Like, I mean, he, he barely yeah. saw it was Vikings. Um, yeah. Vikings. That, game. that was three, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we barely saw and those first two games, they were so run heavy. And, but again, a lot of that run heavy comes with the fact that you're bringing those safeties back. Yeah. And so, yeah, if they can get Reynolds back, that's a boost. If they can get Reynolds and Chark back, that's an, that's, even better. Uh, Cephas is eligible. We have no update on him, so we right. don't know where he's at. But um, and then, you know, I, I think when they do decide to activate JMO, it's still going to be at least two, three weeks before he's ready to come back and play. Yeah. I know people are anxious to get him back, um, but the, uh, we have to remember he has not practiced with the Lions ever. 
like i mean yeah. never he, like yeah. at least like some of these guys they they knew the system they they'd practice prior you can get them back quicker that way but he has not practiced at a professional level ever it's going to take him a couple of weeks before you're ready to throw him out here when you do throw him out there you're probably got the same treatment that uh chicago gave um uh their receiver they just traded for uh, Claypool when they right. when they brought Claypool on he only had like twelve or fifteen snaps his first game right like not even a full time kind of, this week either yeah right 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 yeah. and that's kind of what it's going to be like like you're going to yeah. get two three weeks of JMO on practice you're going to get two three games of him not getting full loads and I, I I know we're all excited to see him back but I also think we need to be realistic in the fact that he might not play a full game the whole season yeah that's probably true and a real big bummer. Oh man, I'm sorry. Stop to be you're you're being the wet blanket today. Um <laughs> speaking of injured wide receivers, uh Bladdy yeah. loves you on Twitter asks with Cooper Cup on IR and man. sounding like it being close to a season ender, does that finally kill the tank for blank crowd? Um <laughs> I think I think we can both say no. Like I mean for <laughs> us particularly, like I've never been a tank person, but yeah, there are still gonna be people angry if the Lions pick up more wins in the season for sure. But yeah, but I mean you and I kind of worked on the uh the draft picks piece this morning saying that like that Rams pick has a 30 some percent chance of being a top mm-hmm. five pick. And and the way I put it on Twitter, I think is the best way for Lions fans to think about it is like the Lions are winning, the Rams are tanking. That's a win win. Mm-hmm. Stop worrying about everything else. Yep. I'm with you. I look, you you don't have it doesn't matter where you pick, it matters who you pick, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 I know it's better to have a higher pick, but at the same time, getting wins is more uh, beneficial long-term for what this, where this organization is headed. So I'm all aboard, get those W's and uh, the rest will, will work itself out. Right. And I, and I know like the most, most of the hand ring is around a quarterback, right? Most people I yeah. think are on board right now of the lines drafting a quarterback next year. And if they're picking eight and 12, mm-hmm. yeah, they might not, they might not get the top two or three guys. That's becoming like I know, I know it. It's very easy to just say, "Hey, if you're picking at the top, then you're going to get the top guy, and then that top guy is going to work." Right. I know percentages say that, but when you look at the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now, not many of them were first overall picks. Like yeah. Josh Allen wasn't the first overall pick. Patrick Mahomes wasn't the first. Jer- uh, Justin Fields wasn't the first. He was. I mean, these guys were all picked at what like like ten. Um, Deshaun Watson was picked in the 10 in the yeah. teens. Right. Um, I know Josh Allen was a little higher, uh, but, um, my point is it's more about who you pick, right? Like there's sure. guys that went like Baker Mayfield went ahead of, of Josh Allen, right? Baker Mayfield went one just cause you have one. Doesn't mean you're, you're getting you're, one. You're getting them. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Um, second part of that question, uh, unrelated says what, what did, have you seen from the last two weeks that looks sustainable? So, what I mean, obviously, the the defensive improvement has really been the catalyst to mm-hmm. winning both of these games, I would say. Yeah. So what among do you think any of that is sustainable? Do you think maybe you're just you're facing a bad Packers offense? You're, you're facing a one dimensional Bears offense? Mm-hmm. Well, what you saw throughout the game against Chicago was that some of the things that they were doing late, they couldn't do early or were, weren't doing early. And yeah. and things like setting the edge, like the first play of the game, yep. Aquara does not set the edge properly. And then it's a problem. And then when you go to the last second, to last series where they have to punt uh, to set up the lions, 91 yard drive, 
on that third down, it's like third and six. Uh, it's a boot. It's a boot right for Fields, and Kirby just flies down <laughs> and sets the edge um, on the one side, mm-hmm. and then he starts to back off and go out the outside. And Hutchinson's there, right. and you can see Hutchinson break down and just be like, "I'm gonna go whichever way you go." And he's they're literally at the same yard line. It's not like he's in front of him, but he was like he was guarding him laterally yeah. the same way you would guard him vertically yeah like and when he did one, that one-on-one basketball that's how it looked exactly like. and when he went when he broke down and he was guarding that lateral outlet fields had to go forward and when he went forward barnes comes in and fills that gap and then uh they end up getting the stop and it forces the punt in for the for the bears it was you know, they didn't care because they look, they had the clock running. Yeah. Sure. They would have liked to have gotten a first down, but they were put it in the hands of the, of the Lions offense. And they thought they could, you know, they hadn't been producing at a high level. And so they were like, okay, let's, you know, this seems like a, a fair odds of the way coaches call safe games in the NFL. But back to the original point, that whole being able to set the edge, trusting that your teammates are going to set the edge. That is the thing that I think is going to be sustainable. Right. right. Because those are the things that we've seen. The trusting that you, that the other player is going to do their job yep. is something that we've pretty consistently seen over the last couple of weeks. And that was the biggest problem. Right. That was the biggest problem facing the defense. A hundred percent. And so if you if they start trusting each other and that seems to and that's sustainable, which it seems like they can like it will be, they can start building in an expansion of duties and then you can be a little bit more aggressive but they've what they've done is they've established this foundation we're going to do our job we're going to trust that we're going to do our job and if you're not going to trust then you're going to you're not going to be on the field and and that trust is was the catalyst and so i think that trust seems like it's been sustainable through two games and if they're going to keep winning that is what needs to stay sustainable and then grow from there right and just just to add kind of a psychologicalness to the whole thing, um, having the defense win two ball games for you in a yeah. row will do a lot for confidence. And mm-hmm. I, you, you know me, I'm not always the most like psychological means you're going to play better kind of thing. But Aaron Glenn said it, and and if Aaron Glenn says it, I'm I'm listening. And he says <laughs> faith is a hell of a drug, mm-hmm. and, and you have to imagine this defense has a little bit of faith now. Mm-hmm. And. And it's interesting. You got you got Daniel Jones coming in this week, a, a fairly mobile quarterback himself. Well, see if you can if you can rattle off two in a row. Because I know, I know Justin Fields, and I said this on the podcast, had a lot of rushing yards. But yeah. when it came to him scrambling, the Lions bottled that up pretty good after mm-hmm. really the first quarter. And and that to me is 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 what's going to really help them in the future for for some of these mobile quarterbacks because not every mobile quarterback team has a playbook that features plays for Justin Fields, like as many plays as they did for Justin Fields. And I feel like at some point the bears are going to have to scale that back or Justin Fields is going to get injured because certainly even, even on, on Sunday, he took a couple big hits that listen, you you can't, you can't withstand that for a 17 game season. So Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know how big the giants playbook is in, in designed runs for Daniel Jones, but if it's, if it's even half, or even you know, even if it's three quarters of, of what it was against Justin Fields, I think the Lions are going to do a much better job this week. That that Giants offense runs through Saquon, right? Like it really does. Like it's it's. I know we're not getting any question. I know I know this is a, a mailbag podcast here, but like 
it's so interesting to look at the numbers in this game because they're seven and two. The Lions are three and six. But when you look, you brought up DVOA yesterday, the Lions are ahead of them in DVOA, yeah. right? And when you look at how the bear, uh, the bear, how the Giants have won, they've won in this in the same way the Lions have been winning lately, which is essentially making one more play than the other team. Right. Every one of their wins is a one-score game. And this is a team that basically has just outgridded their opponent. And so it's not like they're not beatable. Yeah. But they're, they're they don't look like most seven and two teams. But that's kind of the the way the league is this this year, right? Yeah. Even like yeah. the Vikings don't look like a one loss team. Like they look like they should have a couple losses. And they don't. <laughs> I mean, the Eagles right? last night, man, they didn't look like a win a, a, a undefeated team against Washington. Right. Were, right. It's were, it's an it's I'm an interesting it's, crazy. it's an interesting dynamic at the top of the uh at the top of the NFL right now where the teams that are have the the dominating records aren't as uh impressive as you've seen in years past I guess. So it yeah. seems like a lot of people are they're more beatable than what we've seen in the past. Uh next question, uh another bit of news that came down this week, uh Aubrey Pleasant. Yeah. Gets uh uh good for him. Yeah, he gets hired by the the Green Bay Packers. Um, interestingly, as as an offensive assistant, um, which mm-hmm. I, I believe is actually where he got his start. Um, any any yeah. thoughts, concerns, no. takes on on I, that? I I think it's it's good for him. Sure. Because um, and look, he was kind of doing a similar role by being Past the passing coordinator. coordinator. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, his job, part of his job in Detroit, was to evaluate what defenses might do and then pass an information along to the offense. Well, essentially he's just doing that for, for the Packers. Now he's not doing any of the defensive stuff and that's fine. It's, he's got a, a, a focused role. Um, I don't think he's going to give away any secrets. Look by week 18, they're going to have all their cards on the table. <laughs> right, like, like he's not going to be, he's not going to be giving them more information than what they would have been able to ascertain on film, after, especially after already playing them once. So I don't think there's any competitive advantage with him going to green Bay, um, but he's a good coach. And so, yeah, you don't like to see a good coach end up on, on a division rival. I think that's the thing that concerns me more. Yeah. I, I think you nailed it. I don't have I don't have anything to add to that. So we're going to take a first break. When we come back, more of your Lions questions here as we get ready for week 11 already. Lions, mm. Giants coming up in a few days. We'll be right back on the Midweek Mailbag. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on the Midweek Mailbag. Myself, Jeremy Reisman, and Eric Schlitt answering your Lions questions after their two-game winning streak. Yet, despite all the winning, Eric, we're still getting a lot of draft questions, so I'm about to pass this off to you. We got two quarterback-related questions because Lions fans apparently are eager to replace Jared Goff. The two questions (laughs) are, who are your top three quarterbacks, and is there anyone outside of the top bunch? Because we were just discussing Lions might not be in the top five, so if they miss out Mm -hmm. on that first top tier of guys, is there anyone available that might be in that kind of 10 to 15 range where the Lions might be picking? Yeah, I think if you're looking at the top, right now it looks like there's three guys that are probably like first rounders. And then it looks like there's another three guys that are probably going to be in that. They could go anywhere from the back half of round one. They're probably more suited for round two um, at this stage. And then after that, you're going to have a whole bunch of guys that are – Day three guys, right? Yeah, uh, it's a deep class for that. So if you need a backup quarterback, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of options there. But but at the top, it's really, I in my opinion, it's gonna be a team preference between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, right? Those are your top two guys. There's going to be some Will Levis fans, and I think that's your three. So those are your top three. Um, different teams are gonna have them in different orders uh, because some of them are gonna want that six four, six, five, whatever Levis's stature prototype, you know, six, five, 230 pounds who can run a little bit. That's kind of like people are going to look at Josh Allen at that size and they're going to say, Hey, can Levis be the next Josh Allen? He's like, he doesn't always have the accuracy, but neither did Josh Allen. Uh, But Josh Allen developing that accuracy in year three was more the, you know, a rare case than right. something that you the would exception. expect. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Levis is a guy he's, he's struggled a little bit. He's got a lot of technical stuff, but he it's, it's been a bit of a down it's decline. His, his season has declined as, as the year has gone on. Um, as happens with most quarterbacks at the top, they look like can't miss prospects when they're not draft eligible. And then as soon as they become draft eligible and they, everyone starts weighing in on them, you start to see, uh, what their flaws are. And so you're starting to see flaws in a little bit of some flaws in Bryce Young. You're starting to see some flaws in CJ Stroud. Um, with Young, it's obviously his height. Uh, he's under six foot, clearly. Uh, how far under is going to be a big factor, but he has all the intangibles that you could want, right? He has everything that you want in a modern day NFL quarterback, the way that the league is transitioning, but his size is a potential problem. Uh, people are worried about durability and he, he's just, he looks like your Alabama quarterbacks that you've seen in the past. Mobile can move the pocket, can get out of the pocket, usually accurate downfield. Question is, are you going to get, are you getting a Tua that might have a hard time at the, at the beginning of the year that, but eventually becomes something that's like, you know, terrific. Uh, and then Stroud is athlete, but they don't run him a lot. Uh, yeah, they've started to recently because of, you know, that's just what the blank, the game plan is kind of called for, for Ohio state. But um, 
He's not really a runner. Uh, so he's, he's more pocket. Uh, he's more of a pocket quarterback and um, he has tremendous accuracy, but at the same time, he struggles with pressure and he's been the more pressure he's seen as the year has gone on. It's been a big problem. And that combination of like really accurate, but struggles with pressure and is maybe a little bit better athlete, but still is a pocket quarterback is uh, why I've seen uh, Dane Brugler. And I think this was mentioned last time uh, last Jared week, Goff, right. compared him to Jared Goff. And like, right. I can see that. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't, agree with it necessarily but i see those comparisons right but yeah the pressure really has you strout has been exposed because of that pressure a little bit so so like those are your top three guys they all have flaws it's just going to depend what they're looking for um if you get outside of those top three a guy not a lot of people talk about is, is tanner mckee from stanford stanford's having a down year so again he he kind of goes under the radar uh again this kind of like six five two thirty uh, quarterback that that has a little bit of mobility, um, but I don't know where his ceiling is. He's I, I have you know Stanford plays late, so I don't always get a chance to watch him. Yeah. I've seen a handful of games here and there, but um, but he's a guy that I know is going to be probably in that top 100 range, maybe even at the, at the beginning of the year he was in that maybe top 30 range, right? Right. Um, everyone love everyone loves Herndon Hooker from uh from tennessee mm-hmm. and i totally get that uh herndon though is very much a product of the system the system is very quarterback friendly asks him to make like single reads and then just throw he doesn't have to like go through a lot of progressions uh often and it's it's very much catered to his strengths the the system and so herndon is going to be a guy who's going to have to have a there's going to be a learning curve transitioning to nfl offenses you also, he's also 25. Like that's another thing that's going to sour people on him. But Herndon is again, six, four, two twenty five. Uh, he can run. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's going to be, still be a lot of appeal to him, but you're probably not going to draft him in the first round. In, in my opinion, um, the wild card is Anthony Richardson from Florida. Right. Who everyone <clears throat> thinks can be the next Cam Newton. And I'm, I don't disagree with that. But he is not Cam Newton right now. He's yeah. just not. He's not developmentally there, and um, he's only he what he started one game last year. He started a handful of games this year, and he has obvious clearing up and down, flaws. up yeah, and yeah, down. But all the potential in the world. Right. My guess is he goes back to school, and then he'll be a first rounder a year from now. But he, if he comes out now, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think he's going to see like a lot of, some people have asked, will he have this like a Trey Lance type meteoric rise? And I don't think that's it. Cause Trey Lance was a multi-year starter. Right. You knew what you were getting with him. He had the big arm. He had the accuracy. Richardson is just not, not very polished. And then after that, it's all like day three guys, like produce quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. I know Cam Ward is a guy that a lot of people really like out of Washington state. Um, again, small school guy. So maybe when people dig into his film a little bit more, I haven't had a, a, a big chance to do that. He could end up rising up, but I don't know how far. Um, Clayton Toon from Houston, Grayson McCall, who got a little bit of love last year. Um, but again, these guys are all guys that could potentially return. Uh, well, not Houston, Houston uh, or Clayton Toon. He's he's a redshirt senior. So um, while another guy like uh, KJ Jefferson from Arkansas, uh, but he's been injured, and so that's kind of hurt his stock. Uh, Jalen Daniels from LSU, 
uh, you know, anytime you can beat Bama, like that's what, <laughs> right. that, that's what elevated Puts, Herndon Hooker. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, like that game really like propelled him. Um, but again, he's kind of up and down and you see this with a lot of guys. Yeah. And that's why a lot of these guys are like, um, they're more backups, right. Than guys that are going to challenge to start. So you probably have six potential guys that are going to be potential starters. I think Richardson probably goes back to school, which was going to leave you with like five guys. And realistically, um, you know, you could turn a couple of two of them into something if, if you, you know, if you like him in the back half of round one or, or, or in round two, but um, really there, you got two guys and then we'll see what happens with the guys after that. Cause like I mentioned McKee from Stanford, I think he's, he's still got at least one, if not two years of eligibility, he might not even pop out either. And if he right. doesn't, now it's an even shorter class, right? Yeah. Now Herndon Hooker is locked in as your QB four, and then you might have four QBs going in the first round, and then you don't have anybody else after that, right? Because if because if Richardson and McKee go back, there's gonna people are gonna, somebody's gonna jump up for Hooker then, right? Because they're gonna be like, oh guy, there's a huge drop off after him. So yeah, so long winded answer uh, for that. And I know you probably have a lot to say as no, well. So. That's okay. I was daydreaming. It was fine. Uh, no, maybe we'll just have like a dedicated Eric talks the draft portion of, of these male <laughs> podcasts. Cause guess what? We are not taking another draft question the rest of the way. Uh, we're going to move to Lantana's question, which I think is interesting. Uh, it says dear members of the Jeff Okuda fan club, Jeff Okuda defensive player of the month, comeback player of the year. Tell me where his ceiling is. Let me, let me jump on that one. Mm-hmm. Because I'm I'm gonna wet blanket this one a little bit. Oh, um, let let's take into account who the Lions have played lately. Bears pass offense is not good. He did not get tested last <laughs> week. Did fine. Got an interception that was kind of gifted to him, but also wasn't tested. So not gonna give him a ton of credit. Not gonna take take any blame for him. Obviously either. Week before that, Packers not a good pass offense. Not really a good receiving core. And he had some struggles, right? He gave up a couple of big plays against the Packers. Almost almost gave up the game. And I know he had the strip at the end to kind of make up for his mistake, but it wasn't his best game. Was better against the Dolphins. Every, everything that went wrong defensively against the Dolphins was pretty much not his fault. And then Dallas, he has the big, that was a big run stop game, right? Or was that? No, 15. Yeah, yep. the 15 tackle game. Good. But mm-hmm. I I still need to see more out of him in coverage. I feel I still feel like he's not a guy who's been challenged that much. And that'll come. That'll come later in the year. It'll come against the Bills when he's going up against Stefan Diggs. It's going to come against, you know, when he has to go against Minnesota again, right? Um, I'm not ready to crown the guy, but he is definitely trending up. I'm not ready to call him defensive player of the year, or defensive player of the month, defensive player of the week. Certainly not comeback player of the year when you got guys like Geno Smith. And 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 uh, guy we're gonna see this week and in, in Steph uh, Saquon Barkley, um, but trending up and and so be happy with where he's going. But let's pump the brakes on like crowning this guy as 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 everything. Am I am I wrong? I think he's got a. I think he's got a his best path is comeback player. Um, mm-hmm. But again, like you mentioned, you you've got like Saquon who seems to be running away with it literally, and. Um, but I mean, I think Akuda will be in that conversation. You know what I mean? I don't think he'll win it, but um, I do think he's he's in that conversation more because I mean, I don't know. Like, are there four guys in the NFL that 
were out last season or, or, you know, comeback players that, that were better. I mean, like you, Barkley's probably going to get it. I mean, I, I like the Geno, uh, the Geno comp there, but no, I, I think you could, you could make an argument that Akuda coming off an Achilles coming back early and not uh, falling on his face. Like a lot of other guys that have come back from an Achilles that quickly. Uh, that would be wow. shade at Cam Akers. Wow. <laughs> Just very subtle there, Eric. That wasn't very subtle. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right, let's move on to a next question here. Um, let's go with oh, there's so many draft questions. Gosh, you guys. <laughs> um, Katie from Michigan asked, since Swift isn't looking great, which of the two JJ running backs do you do you like better to step up? So obviously Justin Jefferson and uh, Justin Jackson, Jamar Jamar Jefferson. I'm sorry, Jamar Jefferson, Justin Jackson. Are we we've seen. Uh, mm-hmm. just Jackson the past few weeks got an increased role last mm-hmm. week as well. Had a couple decent carries, I would say. Um, but are, are you like, like I was last week yearning for a little bit of Jamar Jefferson just to see what he's got? Yeah. I mean, I, I still remember that touchdown run against Pittsburgh, uh, last year sure. that, yeah. that was like very appealing. Um, but he did not look like the better back in camp. Yeah. Uh, obviously we haven't seen him since, uh, but he is still on the practice squad and, uh, Justin Jackson is not. And, um, so I do feel like their trust in Justin Jackson, uh, seems to be higher. And so I do think if, yeah, I, I, I think he's the guy that they're expecting to be able to, I mean, look, he's a veteran. Uh, he does kick returns, even though it's a, you know, becoming less of an important position. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> I'm starting to turn you, <laughs> but, um, well, like, yeah, look, it is, it's obvious. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, look, it, until Jefferson even finds the field, I don't think this is a overly yeah. debatable. Yeah. I, I, I have mixed feelings on Justin Jackson as a, as a runner, because I think he's, he's got yeah. the athleticism. Mm-hmm but I, I sometimes question his vision and he's also never going to break a tackle. Like he's, he's just not that guy. The first guy that touches him is going to bring him down. And so, yeah, he, he got a couple chunk plays, uh, but yeah, yeah. But they're, they're I mean, that's plays, right? Better. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Better than, better than he had done the previous games. True. Very true. And he did have the big kick return. That didn't matter because Dan Campbell didn't use his timeouts on defense. Um, Not that I'm still salty about that. Uh, next question comes from McVeigh Rob. This is a topic that I'm sure you'll be eager to talk about. Uh, has uh, Aiden Hutchinson shut up the haters? I don't think he will ever yeah, in his entire right here. <laughs> I'm pointing to a Michigan State logo for those <laughs> podcast listeners. Um, yeah, I just think that there's just the hard part about being a high draft pick is that you're always going to be compared to that pick. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, you saw it with, with Hawkinson, you see it with the Cuda. Now you're always going to see this with, with Aiden They're They're always going to say, is he as good as player X because player X was drafted at two and Aiden right. was drafted at two. And therefore Aiden should be as good as that player. And, and so there's always going to be people that are uh, disgruntled by him being picked at that spot. And that's fine. Um, But I do think 
if you understand what the Lions defensive scheme is and you understand what his job is in that scheme, <laughs> you understand well, you understand what his role is and that he is now executing his role. Like the play we brought up earlier, um, where he covers the backside and he basically prevents Justin Fields from, from, from being able to escape. Right. Yep. Like that isn't going to show up in, on the, on the box score. That is not even anything that most people are even going to pay attention to or notice, but that is a massive play that he makes the, I feel like I've just got released early by the tight end who was blocking me. I'm now going to put my foot in the dirt and back up a little bit and cause the throw to go just a little bit higher. And now it's picked off. That's not going to show up in the box score, but those little, like those little instinctive plays, those yep. breakdowns, those do your job plays that he does snap in and snap out. That is what I think is going to make him such a great player in the NFL. Now, will he be an elite player? That's still to be determined, but he is well on his way to being a great player. And that's still a big win. Um, the way that that draft class was, he was the best player. Yeah, and, and, he's, and he's playing like it, right? There's, there's yes. not, there, there are not edges that are better than him that are playing better than him, right? I, I know people love, just I know people are all about Amon Gardner uh, sauce in, sure. uh, in, in with the Jets, but Hutchinson is the best, is playing like a defensive rookie of the year, like he he is, and the, I know the numbers don't always reflect that, but he's got he what he's number one, he's tied at least tied or is number one in pe- in pressures, he's tied in sacks, right? He's isn't he like he's already like something ridiculous, like 12th most sacks, like in history or something like that. It's just there's just all these he's, dumb stats that he already has, like, right? And so, to, yes. me, to me, I think you brought up a couple good points there, but to me, like the thing that, that really sticks out to me is just I'm I'm finally seeing what the line what the lines have been saying, and that this is not this is a guy that doesn't make the same mistake twice. He was so disciplined in mm-hmm. that game against the Bears. And I know that you, you can probably find one clip of him, you know, whiffing on Justin Fields and congratulations. Welcome to the sure. club of every defensive player who has ever played Justin Fields. Like someone's mm-hmm. going to you're going to miss a tackle on a guy like that. He's sure. just that evasive. But like when the Lions really settled into their game plan of keeping him in the pocket and making sure he doesn't escape and making sure there aren't any rushing lanes, Aiden Hutchinson played it such a huge part in that that it's it's very impressive to me to see him make that kind of improvement so quickly. And and even Dan said it this week. Dan Campbell said it in his press conference. Like, I just remember in in training camp, we threw screen after screen after screen at him, and he would just scream up the field because that that's what his instincts were. He'd go get the passer. And mm-hmm. he's come such a long ways from that already that, yeah, I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to start shutting some people up, at least those that know how to break film down. He's going to shut those people up. The other people, they're going to say what they're going to say. Yeah, and and look, I I said it earlier, um, and I noticed you were chuckling, um, but if you don't understand the scheme, then you don't always see what he does in the scheme right. and why he's following it, and that's why when like other teams, you know, analysts are breaking down and there's like, what is he doing? It, he he does his job, like he does his job almost perfectly right yeah and so as close to i mean look he's the best player on their defense right now i don't think it's even close to be honest i am with you 100 uh last one i think before we get out of here and we're gonna end on a on a kool-aid drinking note here slim <laughs> quick asks 
if we beat the Giants, are we making the playoffs? Oh boy. Three game winning streak, four and six. You take down a seven and two behemoth. You have, I think that moves behemoth. you to maybe. Behemoth might be a, a stretch. <laughs> giants. They're literal giants. Oh, Eric. okay. Um, okay. I, get it. I think that might move them to 500 in the, in the conference. Maybe. I don't know. Either oh, way, boy. it puts <clears> them <throat> like, it, it definitely puts them on the graphic of in the hunt. Right. So mm-hmm. are, are you buying lions in the, in the playoffs? Like, Will they make the playoffs if they if they win next week? Make very simple for you. Let me see. I look at their schedule. <laughs> you want me to run through it? No, no, I got it. I pulled it up. I mean, you're two games out of five hundred, and in the NFC this year, five hundred might get there. Five hundred gets you a wild card. Yeah, a hundred percent. So you got to win what? You gotta go with your, six you gotta and go two four essentially, right? From the, uh, the rest well, of the way. You could go. No, I don't think you do, right? Six and two gets you to nine and eight. I think you might You think eight and nine will get N- you there? The way the NFC net is, you could get in there at eight and nine on a wild card. We'll see, but yeah, it's possible. Um they're just it's just so bad right now. So five and three. So you, we have to pick five wins out of well we're giving, we're, saying, we're, we're giving them the Giants. So now they have to go four and three the rest of the way. So four out of Bills, Jaguars, Vikings, Jets, Panthers, Bears, Packers. I mean, you could win. There's one obvious loss <laughs> on Thanksgiving. Yeah. You, you've already played the Vikings tough, but the Vikings are rolling. Yeah. So that becomes very challenging. At Lambo is going to be very, it's probably the third hardest game there. The Packers are still in it. Yes. Right. Even that's still going to be the hardest game. I think the third hardest game. So bills is the hardest game. Vikings is second hardest. Packers is third hardest. Can you beat Jaguars, Jets, Panthers, Bears? You can. Okay. But are you, are you going to string together the question? Like, are, no, are I can't, the Lions can't gonna get, actually win all okay. the games that they quote unquote should or could? No, I don't I don't see how they Okay. <laughs> man, I could see them winning. I could see them winning. I could see them going six and two down the stretch. I could yeah. also see them going four here's, and four. I could also see them going three and five. Here's right? here's the real the dose of reality everyone needs. The Lions have not beaten a team with a winning record yet, and they still have four games against teams with winning records. <coughs> Washington. Okay, Washington's <clears throat> bad. I don't know what happened last night, but they're four and four or whatever they are. They're they got they got a five hundred record. The, the rest of the wins are a bad ba- a bad Bears team and a bad Packers team. They're going to start facing some good teams here in the Bills. In the Giants, they're they're good. They're not great. In the Jets, again, good, not great. And then the Vikings mm-hmm. again. Like, I'm sorry, they're they're probably going to lose three out of those four games, and that means, I mean, that means we're already pushing them to nine losses, and eight and nine might get you in the playoffs, but it might not. And that and that's what the lines clearing the way the rest way. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. I I I I'm not trying to stop you guys from dreaming, because I mean, when is when is when have we even been this late in November and even been able to have tiniest of hopes of this team making the playoffs dream all you want. It's just not going to happen, man. If they split their next four games, two and two, if they, (laughs) if they split their next game, four games, two and two. Yep. Preferably you win those NFC games because they mean more. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, let's just say you split that as well. Right. Let's say you split, split the next two games. You, you win one NFC North, one NFC. Let's say you beat the bills or you beat the Jaguars and the giants. You're you have seven. to win. You'd have to basically win out. Jets, Panthers, Bears. Bears. I'm, I, I, look, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it's a it's it's not as it's not as oh daunting. It's not as those last four games are not as daunting as their next four, right? Sure. I mean, I it, can agree it, with that. Let's see what their next four look like. Yeah, let's get to December and, uh, and re- reassess. <laughs> you're yeah. oh, you're drinking it, man. All right, we got to get out of here before Eric <laughs> convinces themselves this team is going to get a first week bye. And <laughs> <laughs> the well, the way the NFC is, okay, um, relax. Nope, nope, we're done. We're done. We're getting out of here. Uh, thank you to what Eric if, for what if, the, what if the what if the what if the Vikings lose out? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> We are off the rails. Thank you all for joining us for the midweek mailbag. We'll be back with first bite previewing the lions giants live on our Twitch page, twitch.tv slash pride Detroit Thursday night, men Tim on Saturday. And as always, we are still continuing our Movember campaign. So if you want to donate head to pride Detroit.com, look for the Movember logo and click on links. There's also auctions now happening on our eBay page as well. All that information is on pride of Detroit, but until then for Eric, for myself, thank you all for listening. Go lions. It's chaos. Be kind.